Well, friends, we have the glorious privilege of having Pastor Kelvin share this morning. And uh, as many of you know, Kelvin and Ilza have moved to Cape Town. But they are, uh, Kelvin is still part of our team, and he flies up every now and then. Uh, he says his wings are rather tired. But, my friend, it is so good to have you with us this morning. And won't we all just say, God bless Pastor Kelvin. It's great to have you sharing with us this morning, my friend. We look forward to what you're going to share. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be here. I hope you guys are good. I bring you greetings all the way from a sunny and warm uh, Cape Town. Um, I didn't pack anything warm. I'm leaving tonight, so I just came as I am. And when I jumped off the plane, I was like, what is going on? You know, this is not what I expected. Uh, but greetings from Ilza and the family. They are doing well. They miss you guys. And uh, hopefully soon they will be here with us, with me when I come up. But we're still in Proverbs this morning. Um, and uh, I ha it's such a great, it's actually such, I wouldn't say it's a coincidence. I don't use, like, like using the word coincidence. It's just the way God works things out. We had families up here. And this morning I have the privilege of speaking about family right? Uh, and just how we find different aspects in Proverbs about family and what God thinks about family uh, and those kind of things. And um, I'm excited to bring this message this morning. Um, but one of the most challenging verses in Proverbs for me uh, is Proverbs 13:22, And it's going to pop up on the screen and it reads this, the benevolent man leaves an inheritance that endures to his children's children but the wealth of the wicked is treasured up for the righteous. Now that's in the Passion Translation because I like that word benevolent. Right? What does benevolent mean? The generous, the good, the gracious, the righteous. All of those nice words. That's what benevolent means. Um, but I always used to think that this verse was just about or purely about financial inheritance. But when you dig a little deeper you find out that that's not particularly just what it's about. So it's an encouraging verse because it shows that a person who seeks and follows God's ways has a lot of value to pass on to the generations to come. That's basically what he's talking about. It's talking about leaving a legacy. Pastor Andrew was, when he was praying just now, he spoke about grandparents and he spoke about leaving legacy for generations to come and how the next generation of these are going to come up. And that is what it's about. So as a good parent, as a good person, as a good, not just man, as a good person, you want to leave a great inheritance for your children's children. And um, if you think of someone righteous that is not with us anymore, maybe someone in your family that's passed on, Think about the good things that they've left behind. And one of the things that I've always wanted to do in my life is whatever I do, wherever I am, I always want to leave a legacy. When I leave a place, I want to leave it better than I found it so that the next person can run and do greater things than I've done. And this is what it's about. And, and I, the reason why I think I'm like that is because I had a praying grandmother. Praying grandmother, eventually my mother became exactly the same. And myself and Ilza are trying to do the same for our kids. So that they can carry on this legacy uh, that's in our family. So I had no choice. I was also born into a church. 
it just happened. My parents were serving in church when I was born, and it's just, and look where I am. I'm just still here. Still here today. Um, but yeah, I have a, a message that I'm going to speak about. Because what you'll find in Proverbs is Solomon gives such beautiful nuggets, right, in Proverbs. Where he instructs, he guides, he also rebukes a little bit when the standard is not quite there. Um, but I think we all, we all sort of need that. Um, because sometimes we neglect certain things and we forget the impact that it might have on our family. So as a son, as a husband, as a father, let me share... Uh, a couple of lessons that I have learned in uh, my 39 years of living, right? I'm almost there, almost at 40. Uh, six years of marriage and four years of being a parent. By no means am I an expert. Just putting it out there. That's my disclaimer. I haven't made it. I'm not the best at what I do. I fall short every day, but I can only share from my lived experience. Would you allow me to do that this morning? Fantastic. I'm going to be real this morning as well, as I always am, but I'm just going to pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll sort of jump into the first lesson. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are so amazing. Thank you that you love families uh, and you want good things for us as your children. So uh, open up our, our ears so we can hear what you, you want us to hear and open up our hearts to receive this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. So lesson number one. Uh, is my wife and children, that's them, are, are as uniquely created and special as I am. Now, I've learned this lesson the hard way, is that the importance of humility. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 11 verse 2 says, Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. A very important fact of life is that the world does not revolve around me. Neither does it revolve around you if you think about it. But sometimes I forget this. Okay? Uh, and do you not agree with me that each of us tends to think that we are the center of our own universe? Sometimes we think it's all about me. Right? But we all have to work hard at getting outside of ourselves to see how our wanting our own things has an impact on the world around us. So when, when Amari was born, my, first son, my son, my first child, uh, I said first son, I only have one son. Um, he's my favorite son. Um, when he was born, I realized how selfish I was. Because now all of a sudden, and maybe you as parents would, feel, would understand this, all of a sudden there's this baby that wants everything from me, can't do anything for himself. Where's, where's my sleep coming from? When am I going to sleep? When am I going to eat? Um, but how easy is it for us to want our children and sometimes our spouse to do what we want them to do and what we want them to become? As parents, we have dreams for our kids. We want them to be this. We want them to be that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But sometimes it, it becomes something that is a self-centered perspective of ourselves. I want my son to be a doctor. And I've had many friends that have been in families like that where that's all that their parents want for them. And they didn't want that. Yeah. But it was driven into them that that's what they're going to become. Yeah. So they've done their medical degree, but they're not serving as doctors because they didn't want to be. And now they, they're carrying out their, their own dreams. But what happens is I become a control freak when I start thinking like that. 
start trying to control things and try, you know, in a way, manipulating, which is not a great thing, right? Uh, and in the process, I forget that Ilza, Amari, and Nyla are just as special in the eyes of God as I am. And I also need to remember that they are no less important than I am. And sometimes as parents, we think, or as people, we think that because the world revolves around us, we kind of forget that. But also on the flip side, they are no more important in the eyes of God than I am. Because remember, God doesn't have any favorites. We're all God's favorites. We're all important in His eyes. And we're all created and equal according to Him and unique and special because that's just who God is. But it's important for me to keep close accounts with the Lord regarding my thought life, my actions, and my attitudes. Yeah. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I don't know what happened to the slides. Yeah. I think when it was uploaded, it came out. Anyway, as long as you can see. Yes. All right. Um, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Some versions say... It is the sort of, I don't know, like it, it's, it's, it's the wellspring. The wellspring of your life, right? Everything that's well springs from it, in other words, you know? Um, and that's your heart. And I, and I saw many examples of good parenting uh, when my mom and dad did the right things. I say right things. But they also did a few things wrong. And they'll attest to this. They'll confess to this. They're human after all. But there's one rule that I remember, and we try to have it in our home as well, is that we always had this rule of never going to bed angry. Never going to sleep when you've had a disagreement with someone in the family and it hasn't been resolved. Don't go to sleep. You will sit there and resolve it. And I remember one of the f first few times that Ilza and I had a disagreement after we were married, and I said no. We're not going to sleep. And she was like, but I'm tired. I said, I don't care. We're going to sort this out. You know, um, because what tends to happen, you go to bed, throughout the night things happen in your head. You wake up in the morning and you're more angry than you were last night. And then you don't speak to that person in the morning because you're like, I'm still remembering what they did to me. And then you leave and you go about your business. And then it's almost 24 hours later and this stuff's been brewing causing resentment, causing bitterness. Meanwhile, it might just be a petty thing that if you had spoken about it and resolved it before you went to sleep, you know, things would have been a little bit easier. Yeah. Lesson number two. One of the best gifts I can give my children is to stand by them when they've messed up. Mm. Now, there's this story. Uh, a friend of mine, I'm not going to uh, give you his name because he might be watching. Um, we'll call him Johnny today. Uh, and he was telling me a story uh, of how him and his cousin were playing in cricket in their street. Now, as you know, 12-year-old boys, a bat and a ball in the street. As you can imagine, yeah. whatever you're thinking could happen and go wrong happened. Yes, yes. So his, his cousin bowled the ball and he took this swing that only resembles what I would say, because was, it was that time, Lance Klusner, and he was like, I'm going to take a swing at this. He swung at it, went over his cousin's head, and into the neighbor's living room window. He hightailed it. He dropped the bat, and he just ran. Ran home, uh, ran and hid in the, in the garage. But the neighbors saw what happened. 
Uh, and so he was hiding in the garage, and he hears a knock on the door. Uh, and his dad goes to the door um, and opens the door. And the neighbor's like, hey, uh, here's a ball. And this ball just landed through my window. And Johnny hit the ball through my window. So intuitively, as all parents are, dads are, he knew that Johnny was hiding and where he was hiding. So he called him out and confronted him with the evidence. And obviously, he had to admit, yes, it was me. But this is the thing. Um, his dad graciously didn't sort of reprimand him in front of his neighbor. He protected him in a way of saying, don't worry, Johnny and I will fix your window. A lesson. So the neighbor left, and this is the thing. Johnny told me afterwards, I wasn't sure whether I was in trouble or not. He didn't know, but he sure knew that there was something negative about the situation. He just didn't know how it was going to play out. Uh, but what I remember most from the story is that his dad had embraced him with unconditional love. Yeah. To the extent that he took him over to the neighbor's house, they measured the window pane, they went to boulders, they bought the glass, they bought the putty, they bought everything that they needed, and they did it together. Now this is the thing. Small community, and Johnny's father was quite a prestigious man in the community. Yet he humbled himself in front of the entire neighborhood, identifying with his son. And the one thing Johnny told me, he says his greatest pain was having embarrassed his father. But his greatest affirmation was to see him unflinchingly stand by his side, identifying with him in what he did wrong and helping him make it right. I pray that I'm that type of father to my kids. That I stand by them, even when they're wrong. But understanding that sometimes there's a way of disciplining your kids. Because he still learned that lesson. He just didn't know how it would play out, but he learned the lesson. One, don't have a cricket ball in the street. Uh, and two, when you do something wrong, apologize immediately. Proverbs 3, verse 11 to 12 says, My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So when we correct our children, it's not, it's, we should be doing it because we delight in them. Because we love them. Yeah. If we're doing it out of anger and hate and resentment, we're doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Then it becomes abuse. Yeah. Unconditional love is so important. That's right. The withholding of love is counterproductive. Exactly. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with your child all the time, but it means that they know that you're there for them. And I think that's the most important thing, that there's nothing that they could ever do that would cause you to disown them. Yeah. Discipline in the Lord's hands or in the hands of the Lord's people is an effective tool that he uses to shape us into the kind of people he wants us to be. And I have many friends. Uh, I have a, a, a friend who uh, was a Muslim growing up, and uh, she, met, she met this guy who was Christian, and obviously they wanted to get married, uh, and her parents didn't come to the wedding. In fact, it was one of those weddings where you have the bride's family on one side, the groom's family on one side. There was only about six of us on the bride's side because the entire family disowned her. They said, we're not, we, we can't. And even to this day, they've got two kids. Her mom will come and visit, but the dad will stay in the car when they come to the house. 
Um, and you can see it on her face that she's, but she, she made the choice and she said, this is the life I want to live. Unfortunately, she's working on trying to mend that relationship with her dad. And we pray that it, that, that it happens. Lesson number three. We tend to marry that disowned part of ourself. I learned this lesson, and I'll explain it, because some people might think, what is he saying? What is he saying? Right. So remember in the old days, when you would hear someone say, opposites attract, right? You would hear that. We don't hear that much anymore, do we? It's all about compatibility. How do we match up? You know? Those things. Uh, <laughs> and that's not perceived as a correct psychological way to express it. Spoke to some people, did some reading, uh, and what I'm told is there's a better way to psychologically express this. Now I'm going to read this. It says, we tend to be intuitively drawn to a life partner who is strong in areas in which we are weak. We instinctively seek out someone who possesses that disowned part of ourselves. We so often see the extrovert who marries the introvert. Or the left brain person who marries, who's drawn to one, is more right brain. We see the person who is very good with mechanical and technical skills, who may be drawn towards someone with more artistic aptitudes. Or the very objective thinker, drawn towards one who is more subjective and intuitive in, prose in processing, processing sorry, wow, ideas and relationships. Yeah. So, if you th so those of you that are married, if you think about your spouse, think about it, like, think a little bit deeper. Sometimes, subconsciously, you don't realize that that's actually what might have happened. Yeah. Um, and Ilza and I are simply wired very differently. Very. Now, I'm not just talking about the difference, differences between a man and a woman, although there are obviously those dynamics in play, but I'm talking about even how we read the Bible and how we process spiritual insights. So for one, uh, and I know she's watching, but I'm going to use this example anyway. Uh, <laughs> Ilza doesn't understand why in tough times and in tough situations, my temperament is always to choose faith. Always. Nice. God will provide. Because he always has. In my life, I've seen it. He always has. But sometimes it doesn't always make sense to her. Because in her life, it wasn't always as visible. But I'm the first to acknowledge that she's absolutely right. But so am I. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay? But we need each other to have that healthy balance. Part of what drew us together in the first place was my need for her emotional makeup. And her need for mine. And that's what makes us complement each other. Life would be dull and boring if we married a person identical to us. Okay, Proverbs 18:22. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure. I use this version because of that word, treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. So if you're unmarried here and you see all the married men and they've got that favor flavor, you know they've got that favor swagger. It's because of the treasure that's in their life. All the favored men in the house said, "Amen," and all the treasure said. Hallelujah. He who finds a wife finds a treasure. Some versions say good thing. Finds a good thing. Finds favor from the Lord. So if you're single and you want favor, find your treasure. You'll find the favor from God. But sometimes we drive each other crazy, right? Because of our differences. It's okay. 
right? But that's what makes life exhilarating and fun because of our differences, right? At least for me. I sometimes laugh at Ilza, but it's, sometimes it's not funny for her. But anyway, uh, we are privileged to celebrate those differences in our lives. Uh, and as human beings, sometimes we get knocked off balance in those moments because it's like, ah, why, those kinds of things. But if we don't celebrate those moments, we won't see the joy of her being that treasure. When we remember the complementary nature of who we are created in the image of God, each unique, each very special, there's a joy and excitement present. And there's a footnote I must add, uh, that God's gift to us of children in a marriage is both amazing and amusing. When we stop to reflect on how two children, in my case, coming from the same parents, who everyone can look at and know are products of Calvin and Ilza, but at the same time are so different both in appearance and temperament. This is true. Right? Isn't it great to see the individuality, the uniqueness in each one of us? And just the way God has created us. God builds his kingdom and church on the building blocks of the family. Family is God's idea. It's God's idea. Lesson number four, I need to lead by example. My children are always watching, always learning. Your children are always watching you. If you are an older sibling, your younger siblings are always watching you. I see it in my house. Amari climbs on the couch, guess what Nyla's doing? Amari throws that thing, guess what she's doing? They're watching, they learn. Their identity and understanding of life will come from this family. They learn from what we do as parents, from what I do as a dad, from what I do as a husband, they learn, and one of the greatest gifts I can give to my children is to love Ilza well. Come on. Come on, bro. And I thank God for the example my parents set for me in my early years. My parents are, let me just get this right, because they're also watching, 48 years married now. Yes, 48 years married. If you had to look, I know they don't mind me showing it on, on both sides of my parents' family, they are the only couple that are still on their first marriage. Walking in the way that God wanted them to walk. Generational. And family helps us to know our purpose and identity. We find our purpose and identity in our families. And I remember receiving Jesus as my savior when I was eight years old. Uh, It was a very important time for me Uh, And this is the thing. Don't ever minimize decisions our children can make for Jesus at an early age. Don't minimize that. Proverbs 22 verse 6. Start off children on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. I haven't turned from it. Because of the way my parents started me off on that journey. At age 15, I came to the point where I was willing to surrender myself to the Lordship. So I gave my life to Christ at eight, but I didn't quite understand lordship at that time. But when I came to understand the lordship of Jesus, realizing that not only was I privileged to have him as my savior, but also as the person in charge of my daily life. First and foremost. But then it wasn't until final year of university, 21 year old, that I discovered there's more to this, right? The Holy Spirit coming in and doing all of these things and making life so exciting. And I was just starting out as a volunteer 
uh, on youth leadership team at, at our N1 city. Um, and the youth boss at the time challenged us as young people to get into an accountability group, right? Accountability relationships and never be without accountability at any point in our lives. All these years later, I've made lifelong friends and brothers, and we are still in those accountability relationships to this day. Yeah. They speak into my life. They call me out when I'm wrong. They pray for me. Yeah. They look out for me. I do the same for them. And as a man, as a father, as a husband, it is important if you want to make sure that the building blocks of your family are built on the kingdom, have accountability relationships. It's very, very important. Because this is why, and this is the fifth lesson, you never get it all right being a good dad and husband. And I wish I could end this message differently, but it's important for me to acknowledge that I don't always get it right. It doesn't always work out the way I want it to. And that is why we need grace. That is why we need Jesus. We come to places of growth in our life, significant plateaus. We get all these achievements, but we must understand that environments are constantly changing. Situations are constantly changing, and our children and spouses are constantly also developing and learning new things and doing different ways. And my family has currently and is going through a season of change, probably for the last year. There's been a lot of change happening in our family. Um, and as parents, we work so hard to raise our children in the right way. But there also comes a time in life when that dynamic shifts. And we as children work hard to take care of our aging parents. And I'd like to say, I'd like to say <laughs> that I finally come to a place where I've got it all together as a father, as a son, as a husband. But if I read the Bible correctly, and understand it correctly, and I understand this spiritual principle correctly, I know I haven't, because there is an act of regeneration as we repent of sin and put our trust in Jesus. Then there's the process of sanctification as we grow in wholeness toward Jesus and as the Holy Spirit continues to operate in our lives. That's when I start to see every single day that I've fallen short. But part of this growth and sanctification and regeneration and repentance is our need for God's grace. His unmerited favor, his forgiveness, and the capacity not only to be forgiven, but to forgive others. And I've learned that when I function at my very best, I'm the person who realizes how important I am to my family, but also sometimes how needy I am. And as one who would like to see myself as strong, the longer I live, the more aware I am of my weakness. And that's okay. That's okay because when I face up to the fact that I haven't got it at all right, as a dad, as a son, as a husband, it doesn't mean I'm going to throw in the town and declare myself a failure. Instead, it helps me understand my humanity. And remembering this scripture, 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you for your power is made perfect in weakness. Yes. We all need his grace. Every single day. And thank God that is available to us at whatever stage of life we may be. Yeah. Let's claim it on a daily basis. As husbands, 
as wives, as sons, as daughters, as children. Let us get on with being the children that God wants us to be, the family that God wants to be, and bold families that are perfect in God's eyes. Bold it on the building blocks of the kingdom. I want to pray this morning for, for some people. Um, and when I was planning this and, and, and praying this week about what, what does God want to say? And there might be some parents here who maybe feel like they're failures. Maybe you wanted your kids, you started off on a journey, you wanted your kids to start off on a journey, and you were praying for them, but it didn't work out the way you thought it would work out. Maybe your child is not living the life that you thought they would live, living for Christ. Maybe they're not at home, maybe they, you know, as it goes. And maybe you feel like a failure, but you're not. Or maybe your family hasn't worked out the way you wanted it to work out. Maybe your family is not together as you want it to be together. Or as a husband, you feel like maybe you failed your family. As a father, maybe you feel like you failed your, your spouse or your wife or your kids. Or the other way around, as a, as a mother, as a wife, you feel like you failed your family. But I'm here to tell you, we haven't made it. None of us have arrived. We constantly need His grace. So I want to pray this morning, if there's any of you that are feeling like that, feeling like, man, I just need His grace. Whether, you, whether or not you're a parent, maybe you're just newly married and you want that grace for your family, I'm going to pray this morning. And I know, Pastor Carol, you also have something else that you, you want to pray for, but um, I want to pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you for who you are this morning. And if that's you this morning, if you want to just stretch out your hands to, to him and just receive his grace this morning. Father, I thank you for the grace that you give us on a daily basis. Thank you that your strength is there for us when we are at our weakest. Father, I pray for anyone who sometimes feels like they failed in their marriage, they failed with their family, they failed with their children. I pray this morning that they'd come to the realization that they are not a failure that they are made perfect in your eyes. And yes, things happen, things in life happen, things change. But I pray that this morning, they would come to the understanding of the grace that is sufficient for them, that is made perfect for them. And I pray that as they move on from today, that the Holy Spirit would just light a fire in them. And whatever relationships need to be mended, that they would mend those relationships, Father God. Families that need to come together, that they would come together. All because of your grace, Father. Thank you that family is your idea. Thank you that this kingdom is built in the building blocks of family, Father God. And I just pray that we as a church would start to build our families as we, we open up and open up the way for the next generation and continue to walk in that way for our children's children. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for one other set of people is that, you know, you can't, you're not married. Maybe you have children, maybe you don't have children, but 
But, you know, there's, there might be some disappointment in your heart that it hasn't happened, or you might be very happy where you are. Our, our value for family remains the same, but we extend our, our understanding of family to a spiritual family also. And we want to speak to every, every single person here, every, every person who's believing to get married or is just happy how they are. And we, we want to say, we're the family of God together. We're doing this together. All these principles that, that apply to natural family apply to spiritual family at the same time. We live in these kind of relationships that nurture our souls and, and give us meaning and allow us to find our purpose. And we are going to be spiritual family to the families in this church, support them, help them. We're going to be spiritual family to one another. We're just going to take arms and love one another. Walk into our destinies with each other. And as we do that, walk into our own destinies. But I want to, I want to pray in that in that area, I want to pray for two things that might be a disappointment for people. That maybe maybe marriage didn't happen the way you wanted, or it happened and it failed, and you are left with feelings of, of just inadequacy or, or disappointment. And then I want to pray also for couples here who are believing for children who haven't fallen pregnant yet. If you're not believing for children, don't take this prayer because there are children coming at the end of this prayer. <laughs> so so if, that, if that's you, if you fall into any of those categories, I'm going to ask you if you wouldn't mind standing up. Would, it, would you mind doing that? If, if you say, oh my gosh, I, you know, that's too vulnerable, it's tough for me to stand up, just raise your hands. But if, if that's you and you're believing, you, 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 just, you want God to add children to your family or... Or you just, you know that there have been disappointments in your heart regarding marriage and you, and you want that healed. If there's anybody else who'd like to stand up, go ahead and stand up. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, I, I want to pray for everyone standing, everyone who's receiving this prayer online, anyone who's standing outside. Right now, we just, we just declare healing in their hearts, Lord God. We just declare, Lord God, we declare their value. We just speak value over them. We love you. We receive you. You belong. You, you're part of this family. You're part of this family. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, touch their hearts and heal them. And then last of all, Lord God, I want to pray for anyone here who's believing for children. Lord God, I just, I just prophesy over them fruitfulness, wholeness. Lord God, we, we as a spiritual family stand with their prayers and say, yes, Lord, do it. Do it. Bring forth children for them. Bring forth children for them. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord God, we open those wounds. We, we, call, we speak fruitfulness over them, Lord God, and we receive those miraculous children that are on the way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you. Anything more from you, Kelvin? Such a great work. Can we give him a hand? He flew all the way from Cape Town just to deliver that. Cape, um, Cape Town, thank you. Kelvin, thank you. Awesome. I'm going to ask us to stand. I want to just say the blessing over you, but we're going to go out with a song just celebrating Jesus and, and receiving all his goodness. Lord God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord 
lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Can you put that up for me? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you, worship team.